uh, comes to speak this morning, let's pray. Jesus, we, we woke up this morning, and whether we realize it or not, you are sovereign and on your throne, and you are in control. And Jesus, we can't help but turn on the news and just be hit with the reality that there is a huge storm coming to the folks in Louisiana and on the Gulf Coast. So we pray for them. Jesus, the one who is enough, the one who provides, we ask for your provision. We ask you to protect. We ask you to provide food and water and shelter for those who are going to be in the midst of this storm because today is a day that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. And so, Jesus, we cry, help. We also pray for the people who believe, who live in these communities. Jesus, that you would give them hope because you are a God who calms storms and who repairs broken things. So we pray that you would do that. We also pray that you'd give them courage to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim good news in the midst of this bad news. And Jesus, we trust that you have a plan and a purpose for everything that you do. Lord, we pray for Smiley, because in what we'll read today, it says, let the one who speaks speak as if speaking the very words of God. And so would you prepare our hearts? Jesus, we know that you want to communicate to us. So would you send your Holy Spirit to open our eyes and ears and hearts and minds that we might hear directly from you, not only through what you've laid on Smiley's heart to, to say to us, but also what you've put in your word. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Strider. And we also celebrate this week one person who put their faith in Jesus Christ, and we, we rejoice with that. Have you ever heard of the five love languages? Anybody ever heard of that? And one of the love languages is the, is the language of gift giving. And no, I don't have it, but I know people who do. I have a sister-in-law named Kathy. And if she gives you a gift, you just can't wait to open it. Because she's very thoughtful and she picks out something that's just exactly what you would want. And it's so good when she gives you a gift. I know someone else who has that love language. Don't you? His name is it's Jesus, right? Many, many years ago, I became a Christian, and Jesus gave me a gift. And he said, this is my gift for you. I want you to use this gift in service in my church. And for years and years and years, I have had the time of my life using the gifts that Jesus has given to me to serve in, in his church. And I have some really, really good news for you. And that good news is I'm not the only one who's gifted. I'm not the only good one who's gifted. Matter of fact, the point of today's message, we're going to learn that every Christian is given, is gifted for service. Maybe you love your birthday. Maybe you love Christmas because you get loot well. Listen, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, Jesus has picked out a gift for you. And you're gifted for service. And uh, if you're not yet a Christian, you can become a Christian while we're here today. And you can leave here today, too. And you, too, can be gifted for service. One of the great joys of being a Christian is to discover that gift Jesus picked out for us and begin to use that gift into service to others in his body. Um, so if you like gifts, you'll like this message today. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter 4. 
And if you don't, it's a really good idea to bring a Bible and get familiar with it. Because if you open up the Bible, do you know what it smells like? It smells like Jesus, doesn't it? And we've been walking through 1 Peter. And what we're trying to do is to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. I have had more phone calls this week, more text this week, more emails this week from our members who are facing challenges in their workplace that they have never experienced before saying, help, help. That's why we're meeting together. We're trying to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. So starting in verse 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Listen, Jesus is coming back soon. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to restore all things. He's going to make all things new. And we might say, well, why does he delay? He delays to give people the opportunity to hear the gospel and believe and have eternal life. Perhaps he's waited for you to believe. Or if you believe, maybe there's someone you've been meaning to go and share Christ with. He's delayed so you could go and you could share with the people you love and plead with them to believe while there is still time because one day there won't be any more time. Above all, doesn't that kind of get your attention a little bit, what's going to come next? Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. And Tim did a great job last week teaching us about loving one another. And then be hospitable to one another. I love it. And it says what? Without complaint. So you open up your home each week and you, and you host small group. That's really nice. Now do it without complaint, right? As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. Have you heard a theme so far? Have you heard a theme so far? How about one anothering? One anothering. Did you pick that up in verse 8? Love one another. In verse 8, forgive one another. In verse 9, be hospitable to one another. You hear that? In verse 10, serve one another. Did you hear that? Listen, good news good news, our purpose is to make disciples together. That was Jesus' last command. He said, go and make disciples, and we believe we're called to do it together. And so we've asked the question, what is a disciple? We said a disciple, what is a follower of Jesus? And then we said, well, what does that look like? And we said, well, a disciple loves Jesus. How's your love for Jesus today? And we've said, what, a disciple loves one another, loves his church. That's what it's talking about. We love one another in the church. How's your love for one another? And then we said a disciple loves the lost. We love people who don't yet know him. And as Tim shared last week so well, we can only love when we've been loved. And we can only love to the extent that we've been loved. So if we want to love Jesus, and if we want to love one another, and if we want to love lost people, then we have to be loved first, right? And isn't that what the gospel says, that God loves us? Do you know why God's love is so amazing? Let me share with you three reasons. The first love is so amazing is because of who he loves, of who he loves. In Romans 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So who does God love? He loves who? 
sinners. I mean, who do we love? We love nice people, don't we? People who treat us nice, good people, people who can do things for us. But God loves sinners. That's the bad news in the gospel. We're sinners. Do you ever look at the world and say, it's broken? Why is it broken? You know why? Because I am. You know why the world is broken? Because you are. It's a universal problem. Notice it says our problem is deeper in the fa- than the fact that we have sinned and know we have. It's that we are sinners. That's our nature. And because we're sinners, we commit crime after crime against God over and over again. You ever wonder what it would be the, the penalty for a crime against God? Doesn't the Bible teach us the wages of sin is death, the penalty is, is eternal death, which is hell itself? Do you know why God's love is so amazing? He loves sinners. Do you know why else God's love is amazing? Is, is the price that he paid for sinners. Did you hear that? Here's the good news of the gospel. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, us sinners, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is amazing. God the Son put on flesh and and came to earth to die for our sins. He loved us that much. Having lived a perfect life, he went to the cross. And Jesus died naked on a cross between two thieves, taking our sins upon himself, experiencing what we deserve. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Staying on the cross until he could cry out, it is finished. God's love is amazing because he loves sinners. He loves sinners enough that Christ would die for us. So Jesus was buried, but he didn't stay dead on the third day. He rose and offers us the greatest gift ever, the gift of eternal life. Do you know why God's love is so amazing? Because he offers us the greatest gift, eternal life, which is the forgiveness of sins. Now, what would you pay? How much money would you pay if you could go to bed tonight knowing you were forgiven of all of your sins? Hmm? What if I told you it was free? What would you pay for the opportunity to do life with Jesus for the rest of your life? What would you pay? Well, what if I told you it was free? What if I told you you could live forever? What if I told you there was a cure for death? What would you pay for the cure of death? What would you pay? Everything you have. What if I told you it was free, isn't it? For God so loved the world. Don't you love that? It's not just that he loved the world. He he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to live and die and rise. Why? That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He offers us forgiveness and the opportunity to do life and eternity with Jesus if we would believe in him. Have you? Well, smiley, doesn't everyone believe in Jesus? Listen, saving faith really is simple. It's the simplest A, B, C, where we admit and believe and commit. There was a day in my life, and if you've never done this, won't you do it this day? You can do it now, or I'll be glad to assist you as we close in prayer, but admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. Won't you do that? And then, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose, and then commit, Jesus, I'm not going to trust in myself anymore. I'm going to trust in you. I want you to be my Savior and forgive me, and I want you to give me eternal life, won't you? It's to say, Jesus, the, the rebellion ends today. I surrender. You're Lord. From this day forward, as you give me strength, I'll follow you, won't you? Oh, and if you have, if you have believed in Jesus, then we have been loved. 
And, and isn't that what Tim taught us about last week? Remember we looked at 1 John 4, 19, which says, we love because he first loved us. You know why we love Jesus? Why? Why? Because he what? He first loved us. And you know why we love one another in the church? We love one another because he first loved us. And you know why we love lost people? Because he first loved us. So going back to our passage, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts. Now follow me here. Verse 8, loved people love. When someone comes to church, what they should notice is these people have been loved. And because they are loved, they love. And verse 8 also says, forgiven people forgive. When people come in here, do they realize these people have been forgiven a lot? Look how forgiving they are. And then verse 9, verse 9, that welcome people welcome. When we realize that Jesus welcomes us into the family of God, we gladly open our doors to others, right, and our hearts, because welcomed people welcome. We've been welcomed, welcome to the family of God. And then served people serve. Oh, man. Jesus says, I will serve you so you can serve one another. And then... To help us in that, he gives us a gift. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. Now look very carefully at verse, it doesn't say if you have a gift, does it? It says what? As each one has received a special gift. Every Christian is gifted for service. Every Christian is gifted for service. There are not two kinds of believers as some churches would teach, gifted and ungifted, haves and have-nots. No, there's only gifted. There is only haves. Every Christian is gifted for service. Hmm. One of my heroes is Martin Luther, and uh, God used him to begin the Protestant Reformation. And one of the things he talked about was the priesthood of all believers the priesthood of all believers. And, and he wasn't saying in that, that that God didn't give pastor teachers to his church because Martin Luther was ordained as a pastor teacher. He believed in pastor teachers. But what he was saying was that every Christian is given the Holy Spirit. How many? Every Christian. And what he was saying was that every Christian was gifted for service. How many? every Christian. And what he was saying is that every Christian is called to full-time ministry, not just some, but every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Every Christian is given a spiritual gift. Every Christian is called to full-time ministry. We're all called to the harvest. We're all called to be disciple makers, every Christian. Now notice, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. Every Christian has been given a spiritual gift, a, a special gift, a charisma, a grace gift, and grace gifts are servant, serving gifts. Use this gift to serve one another. Uh, see, some gifts are not serving gifts. A husband gives his wife a beautiful necklace. W what do you do with a necklace? You do what you 
There you go. You wear it, right? You wear it. You wear it and you show it off, right? Look how beautiful this is. Spiritual gifts are not ornamental gifts. They're not given to us to be worn, to look how gifted I am. You have a husband, and he loves to grill. He loves to cook. And so his wife gives him a beautiful grill, right? What does he do with that grill? What? He has the time of his life. What? He cooks for his family. He loves it. He has a small group over. He loves using that gift to serve others. He has his neighbors over because he loves his gift. He can serve others with the gift that's been given to him. And that's what spiritual gifts are. They're not given to us to be worn. They're given to us to have the time of our life serving others in our family and church and community. Oh. Employ it. Use it. Don't bury it in serving one another as good stewards. Do you know what a steward is? We don't use that term a lot. Uh, in that day, it wouldn't have been unusual for someone to be wealthy who would own a home. But he didn't run the home. He owned the home, so he had a steward. And the steward would manage the home for the owner. That's what we're called to be. The moment we believe in Jesus, we no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to Jesus, and we're called to be good stewards. Generally, when we talk, talk about stewardship, we're thinking about Money, right? When we talk about stewardship, a stewardship campaign, it's about money. But listen, it, it, it is about money that Jesus owns all the money we have, and he calls us to be good stewards of what he entrusts to us. But it also includes our time. The time we have is a gift from God. It belongs to Jesus, and we're called to be good stewards of our time. And it also has to do with our gifts. He's gifted us. He wants us to be good stewards of our gifts, using the gifts that he's given to us to serve one another. Hmm. Are you a good steward? Are you managing his money and time and gifts? Are you investing them in serving? As good stewards, notice of the manifold grace of God. The word manifold is multicolored. It's, it's of tremendous variety. How many spiritual gifts are there? Uh, there's manifold gifts. There's gifts and gifts and gifts. I mean, if God doesn't make any two snowflakes alike, right, don't you think he gives all of us differently, don't you? When you read the list of spiritual gifts in the Bible in Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 or Ephesians 4 or 1 Peter um, 4, they're ne it's never the same list. They're always different, and I believe they're simply illustrative, not meant to be comprehensive. Here's just some of the gifts that Jesus gives to his church to use to serve one another. To show you that idea in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. See the spirit, people in here? We have one spirit. We're alike. What we're alike in is we've all received the Holy Spirit. How we're different, how we're different is we all have different gifts. 
and there are varieties of ministries, all kinds of different ministries and the same Lord. What we have in common is we've all professed faith in Christ. That's what we have in common. What's different is we have different ministries. Uh, but the same, and there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. We have one Father, but we have differing effects. Something I forgot to say earlier, I believe, uh, every time spiritual gifts are talked about in the New Testament, love is always in, in, in the context of it. Have, have you ever noticed that? It's like that in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. It's like that in Romans 12. It's like that in, in Ephesians 4. It's like that in 1 Peter. Do you know why that is? Because we all have a disorder. We all suffer from OCD. Not what you think. What we suffer from is obsessive comparison disorder. We do. Whenever we talk about spiritual gifts, there's always people who think too highly of themselves and say, my gift is more important than your gift. And then there's other people who think too lowly and they say, listen, my gift isn't as important as yours. So the only way, the only way we can have the same spirit and the same Lord and different gifts and work well together is to do it in a context of love. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There's a varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all person. Listen carefully. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Notice, Jesus gives us spiritual gifts to build up his body. They're given to build up his church, therefore the common good. What is a spiritual gift? It's any God-given ability, any God-given ability that can be used, that can be used to build up his church. They're gifts given to us, used in the power of the Holy Spirit that we can use to win people to Christ and to build up God's people and to equip workers and to multiply disciple makers. Back to our passage, there is a great variety of gifts. But it seems like these gifts break down into two broad categories. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Some people have speaking gifts. They're gifted in evangelism. They're gifted in teaching. They're gifted in singing. Other people have service gifts. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Someone has the gift of mercy, of helps, of service, of giving, serving gifts. Now, give you a little pop quiz. Uh, anybody know the first spiritual gift mentioned in the Bible? Um, might surprise you, it's in the Old Testament, not new. The, the Hebrews have been brought out of Egypt, and God wants to build a temple, a, a tabernacle. He wants to build a tabernacle, and he wants to build it for beauty and for glory. He wants it built for beauty and for glory. So in Exodus 31, listen to this. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribes of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God. I've given Bezalel my spirit in wisdom, in understanding and knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship. 
I have gifted him for the building of my tabernacle and all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for, for settings, in the carving of wood, that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. God was going to dwell on earth in a tabernacle. It was going to be built for beauty and built for glory. So God gifted Bezalel and others to build this tabernacle for him to dwell in. Do you know what God is doing in the world today? He's building his church. He's building his church. Jesus dwells on earth in his church, and he's gifted each of us. He's gifted us like Bezalel that we might be involved in the building up of his church for glory and for beauty. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as the one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know what I love about Peter and about Paul? When they start doing theology, they move into what? It's called doxology, right? Doxology, what kind of an amazing God would give gifts like this to his people? You know what we often do as Christians? We start talking about spiritual gifts and then we start fighting about it, right? Oh, why does Jesus give spiritual gifts? First of all, remember when Jesus was here, he said it was to his advantage that he go away, right? And we might say, well, how could it be to our advantage that he go away? Well, listen, when Jesus was here on earth, where was his body? It was where? It was in one place, wasn't it? There was only one place where people could experience the body of Christ, right? And then what happened? And then, and then Jesus ascended into heaven, and then Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit, and now there are local expressions, expressions of the body of Christ around the world with people who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and gifted by him to make disciples around the world. Why does he give us gifts? So that everyone can win. So that everyone can win. When people gifted in speaking speak, they get joy. When people gifted to serve, serve, they get joy. This is what God saved me for. This is what he gifted me for. But listen, when people who are gifted to speak, speak, and those gifted to serve, serve, other people are blessed. People are taught. People are one to Christ. People receive mercy. Others are blessed. And God gets glory for giving such amazing gifts to such flawed people. Now, everyone wins. We get joy. Others are blessed. God gets glory when we use our gifts. But, but let me ask you one more question. Why, why does God give the gift of mercy to some in his church? Well, well so that they could use that gift to show mercy, right? Yes. But you know why else he gives that gift? Um, so that people like me who aren't gifted in mercy can see how someone who is gifted in mercy ministers to people, and we can become more like Christ too, right? I mean, haven't you ever been in a small group? Haven't you ever been in a small group and someone starts crying? And people like me start, like, withdrawing, right? You start moving away because you're scared to death. You don't know what to do. And then someone in there, 
When someone's crying, what do they do? They go what? Right toward them. And you know what I do? I watch them. And I study them because I want to learn from them how to show mercy to others, right? Why does God give some people in the church with evangelism? Is it so that they would do all the evangelism in the church? No. It's so the rest of us, as we observe someone who's gifted and see how they have conversations and how they point people to Christ, we can become more like Christ as we observe the other gifts that Jesus has given to our body. So listen, every Christian is gifted for service. Every Christian is. And that means you have a gift, you have gifts, but you don't have all the gifts. You don't have all the gifts, and so you need a local church. You need a local church to combine your gifts with for, for maximum fruitfulness. You really, really do. Matter of fact, I believe what this passage is saying is that when people who have speaking gifts are using their gifts combined with those who have serving gifts, both those with serving gifts and speaking gifts, both of them are more fruitful together, right? Oh, whether your gifts are speaking or serving, they're important. They're important to you and they're important to the body. So now we're going to turn a curve. We've been learning a lot and we're going to move toward the action step this week, which comes right out of the passage. I want you to employ your gift to serve one another. That's your assignment. And sometimes you might say, well, where do you get these action steps? Well, how about right from the Bible, okay? Did you see verse 8? Or not verse 8. Verse 10 <clears throat> As each one has received a special gift, you are gifted, employ it, use it to serve one another, okay? Now, many, many, many people in this room, you know your giftedness. You know your gifts, and you're being a good steward of it. You are using your gifts to serve in this local expression of this church. You're using your gifts in the broader community to, to make disciples, Way to go. Keep employing your gifts. Keep employing them until you go home or Jesus comes back. But there are many, many here who, who don't know your giftedness. Uh, and you're not a good steward of it. And, and a lot of that's on me. Uh, please forgive me. I've not equipped you well. I don't want you to stand before Jesus one day and say, I never heard about spiritual gifts. I didn't know I was gifted. No, 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 you are gifted. You are gifted. I want to help you find your gift. Finding our spiritual gift really is as simple as ABC. It starts when we admit. Jesus, I don't know what my gift is. That's how we all start. And then we move to the believe. But I believe what your word says is true. I believe I'm gifted. I believe I'm gifted. Will you take that step? And then we commit ourselves. Lord, I want to commit myself to find my gift, to find my gift. So will you admit, I don't know, will you believe, I believe I'm gifted, and will you commit yourself? And then you say, well, well, how do I find it? Gifts are discovered in community. That's why we need a local church. Our gifts are discovered since they're given to us to serve one another. We discover them in a local church. We discover our gifts in service. It's when we're serving others, that's where we, how we find our gifts. When I was a little kid, I can remember watching my parents drive and 
thinking one day I'll get to drive. And then when they weren't in the car, I'd sit in the driver's seat and try and turn the steering wheel. And it was really hard when the car was sitting still. And I thought, man, if it's this hard to steer when it's sitting still, what would it be like if it was moving? And then you learn to drive, right? And the car is moving, and what? It's so much easier to steer once it's moving, right? And that's exactly what we're like. When we're sitting in our seat, what is my gift? What is my gift? No. What we need to ask is, how can I help? How can I serve? And as we begin to help, as we begin to serve, as we look for opportunities to serve, Jesus will guide us to our giftedness while we're moving in the right general direction of suffering. So quit asking, what is my gift? What can I do to help? How can I serve? I've been a Christian about three or four months, and a pastor said, hey, we need a, a new leader for our middle school ministry. Uh, will you do it? I was dumb enough to say, okay. <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't know enough. But you know what happened? After about three months, of, after I, when I started leading, I said, I love sharing the gospel with people. I love this. I love inviting people to respond. I love standing in front of people. I love explaining the Bible to people. I love leading. You know how I knew I was gifted? I enjoyed it. God doesn't want to make you miserable. Do you know how we find our giftedness? When we start trying things and we enjoy it. Do you know what the most frightening words in the English language are to me? Partial assembly required. <laughs> I don't have serving gifts. That scares me to death. But a chance to talk about Jesus? Thank you for the opportunity. How do we find our giftedness? What do we enjoy doing? What gives us energy? What gives us energy? What excites us? That's where we're gifted. So, so, so there's a joy. We get energy when we serve in our giftedness. There's fruit. When we're gifted in evangelism, when we begin to share our faith, we'll see people come to faith in Christ. When we're gifted in teaching and we begin to teach, we notice that most of the people at the end of our teaching, they're still awake. Not all of them, but most of them are, okay? When you're gifted in mercy, you'll find that people are ministered to through your giftedness. So how do we know we're gifted? We get joy from it. There's fruit. Do you know what else? There's the confirmation of the body. This is so important. You are surrounded by incredibly gifted people who don't know they're gifted. They just think that's the way they are. And that's why we should always be looking in the church, not for fully developed gifts, but just for the glimmer of giftedness. You're leading a small group. Someone asks a difficult question, and someone's able to answer that question in a really simple way to say, you know, I really see in you someone who would be really good at teaching. You're in a small group, you know, and someone starts crying, and those of us who are running away, but others move to them. Did you know? You're really gifted in mercy. You know how to help people. A lot of people are gifted, but they don't know they're gifted unless we confirm them. Ah. So, how do we know our gift? We get joy and energy from it. There's, there's food from it. There's the confirmation of the body. 
And then, when we know our gift, we're to employ our gift to serve one another in the body. So how do we do that? Well, where is good news? Well, you know how I respond to that, right? Well, on Sunday or Monday, right? So listen, when Sunday comes, we gather together to use our gifts to serve one another. When you know your gifts, Sunday's so exciting. The family gathers together. I can use my gift. And you know, every Sunday when we gather, there's a few formal ministry opportunities. There's just a few, but there are a few, and you could really serve there. There's kids' ministry and, and student ministry and hospitality and worship. But listen, there's way, way more gifted people than there are opportunities to serve. And that's why we all come to practice one anothering. If you have the gift of mercy, are you excited when Sunday comes because you get to come early? Do you realize how many people have had a horrible week and they come and you have the gift they need? You're here to minister to them. You have the gift of helps. Wow, Sunday's coming. I'm going to show up early and see if there's anything I can do to help. You go in the bathroom. There's water all over the counter. It's okay. You're a minister. You don't have to call a staff person. You can clean it up. You have the gift of hospitality. While Sunday's coming, you come early. You look for the person who's lonely in the lobby or the person sitting in here because you have the gift that Jesus gave you to make them feel welcome. Oh, wouldn't it be great? We come because we need the gifts of others. And we do need to be ministered to, don't we? But listen, we come because others need our gift. How many times people have said, you know, Smiley, I didn't get anything out of church today. And I'm really sorry. I am, because I really do want to give you something each week. I really do. But let me ask you, who did you encourage? Who did you serve? How did you use your gift to bless someone else? See, we get to use our gifts on Sunday, but as we discover our gifts on Sunday, we get to use them all week long, don't we? Don't we get excited when small group comes? Because in small group, we get to be ministered to by the gifts of people in our group. And we get to minister to them with our gifts. And then, listen, through the whole week, as we hear about needs of people in our small group or in our church, we have the opportunity to use our gift to serve them the way Jesus has served us. And you know what happens when we discover our giftedness in the church? Then we can use those gifts to win others to Christ. You discover in the church you have the gift of hospitality. You love opening up your home for small group and having others in. Do you realize that hospitality is one of the greatest evangelistic gifts there are? Did you know that? Why not open up your home to your neighbors and invite them to come in and experience the hospitality of Christ? You have the gift of helps. You've discovered that in church, that you get energy through helping others. Do you, think, do you think any of your neighbors might be helped? Why not take your gift and use your gift you discovered in the church to minister to your neighbors? And when they say, why are you doing this? Jesus gifted me because he wanted to send me to you to let you know how much he loves you. You have the gift of mercy. You discovered in the church, there's broken hearts in the church. 
You use your gift to minister to broken hearts in the church. Are there not broken hearts in our community? Isn't one of the greatest evangelistic gifts ever the gift of mercy? Uh, discover your gift. Use it to serve. One last thing, and then we're done. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, when I think about the church, when I think about the church, I think about a people that are loved and flawed at the same time. Good News Church is loved and flawed at the same time. And when I think of spiritual gifts, this is really important, we are gifted and flawed at the same time. Listen to this. But we have this treasure, a grace gift, a spiritual gift. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, in deeply flawed people. So that the surpass, <laughs> almost made it through without coughing. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Do you realize one moment I can lead someone to faith in Christ because I'm gifted? And the next moment I can be the most judgmental person you've ever met. I am gifted and flawed at the same time. And what the devil tries to do with us is keep us from using our giftedness because we're flawed. Listen, our flaws do not negate our giftedness. We are incredibly gifted people in spite of our flaws. And then the devil does the opposite too. The devil does the opposite. With some people, they're so aware of their giftedness. And how gifted they are from God that they forget that they're flawed too. Listen, we are gifted and flawed at the same time. So this week, let's remember, we have this treasure, this special gift in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Every Christian is gifted for service. So this week... Have the time of your life. Have the time of your life employing your gift to serve one another in the church and in the community. Let's pray. <clears throat> oh, Jesus, how thankful we are that you came to serve us, that, that you lived that life, that you died that death, that you rose so you could offer us eternal life. Listen, if you'd like this gift, won't you believe in Jesus? Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and, and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I want to thank you for gifting every one of us for service. And I want to thank you for the many, many people here who know their gifts and are using their gifts day after day to serve in the body and the church. Keep them giving. Keep them serving. And Lord, I pray for the many people here who don't know their giftedness that this week I mean, if that's you, won't you admit to Jesus, Jesus, I don't know what my gift is. 
But won't you believe Jesus? I believe I'm gifted. And won't you commit, Jesus, help me to find my gifts this week? Won't you ask, Jesus, how can I serve? How can I help? Lord, as I begin to serve and help, guide me to my giftedness. Give me joy. Help me to see fruit. Help me to get confirmation from others. Lord, help us to be good stewards of the gifts that you've given to us. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.